Welcome everybody to the extended cut. Today we've got uh, Ryan Maloney here with me. We got Trey Sheely from Saluda here. It's going to be good. We were going to try to have us all here, but we're going to break this up. And next week we'll have Derek and Ross, and um, we're pretty excited. Today we are going to try to finish up Joseph, and not just today, but the last couple of weeks. Um, Notice that when we had to go live and our our churches were where we couldn't meet and we needed to, to do this on video. We noticed that we, we, we left Joseph hanging, and so we want to come back and we want to pick that up. And so we're excited to do that today and over the next couple of weeks to see if we can finish this story because it's a great story. And um, we left him right at the most climactic point. So that's what we're going to do over the next couple of weeks, and I hope that uh, you enjoy this time. I do want to say this. Thursday, we're, um, we're, we're leading our way into Easter, and so Thursday, you're going to get a special message from John as he gives you the details about what Holy Week are going to look like from Palm Sunday to the week of Easter to Good Friday to Easter Sunday and the plans that we have here at Radius to celebrate Easter well and to make much of our and Savior Jesus Christ. So I'm hoping you look out for that email. It'll be in your inbox and there'll be a special video message from John to give you information on that. So um, just a little plug for what's coming. So with that said, Ryan, catch us up. I mean, it's been several weeks uh, since we talked about Joseph. So why don't you give everybody um, uh, a little review, if you will, of where we are. Yeah, actually, uh, I've, I've forgotten a lot of this <laughs> now that I'm looking at it. Uh, I've got my sermon here that never got preached because of this virus. Uh, so this is 20 hours of my life. Some positive things we got from COVID is that we didn't, didn't have, have to, to listen to exactly. ser- that sermon. So exactly. a lot fantastic. A lot of Thank amens you. You. being said right now. Uh, so here's the recap. Um, Joseph is in charge of all of Egypt. We know that. His brothers uh, that had sold him, that hated him 20 years ago, they sold him into slavery. They've now come to Egypt to get food during the famine. Uh, They're starving. Their families are starving. And so they come to Egypt where the food is, and they stand before Joseph, but they don't recognize Joseph. Joseph recognizes them. They don't recognize him. And uh, he's uh, last week, or not last week, my sermon would have said last week, last time we met, which has now been several weeks, we saw all of the brothers come and eat and dine together. Uh, and Joseph was emotional. If you remember, he had to he had to leave. He had to go into his private room uh, because he's emotional. He sees him, and uh, he's finally got the chance to see Benjamin, who's his youngest brother, his full brother. And um, now Joseph, where we're going to pick up in in chapter forty four, Joseph is going to test the repentance of these brothers. He's going to see if this repentance is real, and so that's where we're picking up in chapter forty four. That's good. I mean, that's a that's a high overview, right? That's yeah. forty thousand feet. Trey, what would you add to that? What are some things that over the last you know several weeks, as we preach this this series, what would you highlight to remind us and to review us to catch us up? Big thing I think of off the top of my head is we got to remember um, Jacob, how he was um, acting like Jacob. He was acting like Israel. That comes to play a big part here. Um, that whenever he was leading his sons, that uh, I remember the famine in the land uh, was very severe, and um, they came back and told him what they had to do to get the food, and he just waited. So Jacob was just wanting everything just to go away. So he was very erratic in this time, and the brothers took it on themselves, especially Judah, that initiated, we're going back. 
and we're going to take our brother Benjamin with him. So I, I, that's the only thing. I think Ryan did such an excellent job of that. Wait, 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 wait. Yes. One more time. Um, so what? Ryan did such an excellent job. Thank you. Of Russell, that. anything you'd like to add? Yeah, I just wanted to piggyback on something you said because yes, I'm not saying anything about what he said. Um, you said Israel and Jacob. And so yep. just to make sure we're all on the same page that – uh, Jacob, the son of Isaac, grandson of Abraham, that his name was changed when he wrestled with God from Jacob to Israel. And there are times that in the Genesis account, we get Jacob called Jacob, and then sometimes he's called Israel. And you were saying that there, it seems like he's acting like Jacob, the, the trickster, the swindler, the liar, right? And then there are times where he's called Israel because he's acting a little bit more Israel, like this guy who was who wrestled with God and survived, right? So uh, I think that's what you were alluding to. For me, when I think about the series, I think about this idea that character is formed when we overcome obstacles in life. And for the folks at Lexington, I said that every time that that I preached on these passages. And so we saw that one of the obstacles is compromise. Jacob was a compromiser, um, and we need to overcome that. That Joseph didn't compromise. We noticed that um, one of the obstacles in life is temptation. Clearly, Joseph was tempted uh, by Potiphar, by Potiphar's wife, um, and he overcame that. We saw that there is an obstacle in life when you are thrown into prison and life is hard and you endure suffering, and Joseph overcame that. And so we talked about multiple of those obstacles. And one of the obstacles that we're going to deal with today is this idea of forgiveness, because clearly Joseph has been wronged. He has been sinned against. His brothers uh, wanted to kill him. They decided not to, sold him into slavery. And you can imagine 20 plus years later, I mean, he was 17 years old when he was sold into slavery to Egypt. He's now 30 years old, over 30 years old, and he's going to have to see these brothers and offer some sort of forgiveness. And um, what we find in chapter 44, and I think we've been seeing it ever since the brothers have been going back to Egypt, is that he's been testing them. Because it's one thing to offer forgiveness in your heart. It's another thing to offer it externally. And so I think he's got the inward forgiveness down. Like, that's why he named his children Ephraim and Manasseh. The Lord has made me forget the affliction uh, in Egypt. The Lord has made me forget what happened in my home. And so he's got that inward down. The question is, what's he going to do when his, when his brothers are looking at him? Yeah, and I, th- this is the reason I was really excited to preach this, because I think it's practical in terms of you can say you're sorry, Somebody has wronged you, and they can say, I'm sorry. The reality is, unless there's real change there, unless that sorry turns into action, they weren't really sorry. They're sorry they got caught. They're sorry that they've been exposed, that their sin's been exposed. So we see it with celebrities. We see it with athletes, these lame apologies. And what Joseph's going to do is he's going to say, no, 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 you guys are sorry because you're hungry. (laughs) You're hungry. You're sorry because... Uh, God seems to be punishing you for what you did 20 years ago. Let's find out if you're really sorry. And so he, he's going to test this idea of, is there, is there more than sorry? Is there repentance where their heart is actually changed and, and their behavior is going to change because of what's happening inside? Yeah, he's testing repentance. So repentance and forgiveness go hand in hand. And that would be 
that would be fun to do a podcast on in and of itself. We, we, we can't just get into all of that, but he is testing repentance. He is seeing, have you changed? And if you have, then there clearly can be forgiveness. I think another word that we really would want to use here, because the word forgiveness gets a little convoluted. What we mean is reconciled. Can the relationship be restored? He, I think he has already forgiven them inside. The question is, is how is he going to be reconciled to his brothers? And you're reconciled when there's repentance. And when I say reconciled, I mean we go and sin no more. We're able to, to go and live life together. That doesn't mean he's going to be best friends with his brothers, but it does mean that that relationship will be restored at some level because of repentance. So before we jump in and start reading 44, because we're going to have to read a little bit to, to, to unpack this, I think there's been other tests. And so remember, they show up the first time, and he, remember, he keeps one of the brothers behind, Simeon. Keeps Simeon in prison, and he says, I want you to go get Benjamin. And I think he's seeing if they're lying. I think he was wanting to see, did you lie to me? Is Benjamin still alive? And why would Benjamin matter? Because Benjamin is the other son of Rachel, right? And so Joseph and Benjamin would have been full brothers, and they would have hated Benjamin the same way they hated Joseph. And so he's testing to see, did you do this to Benjamin? Is he really alive? Are you lying? Thoughts? Yeah, then, then he tests them. He sends money back with them. That's right, another test. Right? So he puts the money in their sack, and that's where these brothers, when they open this sack, they're terrified because they're like, God God's punishing us yes. for what we did 20 years ago. But Joseph puts, puts that money back in there to test them a little bit. I think the test also reveals that they want to – I think Joseph wants to know, is dad still alive? Yeah. Did, it, it, did you guys do something to dad? Um, the test also implies for them to bring Benjamin back, which they're going to do. We already saw that. you got to wonder, does Benjamin trust these guys? I mean – would you trust them? I mean, how are you keeping this secret for 20 years? Surely Jacob, and I think Jacob and some of his other dealings, is he's got his questions about the, his sons, and now you're wondering, does Jacob trust them? Does Benjamin trust them? And all of this is a test to see, man, have they really changed or not? Yeah, before we even get into 44, Benjamin's the new Joseph. That's right. And we're going to see that in 44. That's right. But you guys did this to daddy's little favorite 20 years ago. Now I'm daddy's little favorite. Constantly eyes in the back of your head, like, when am I going to get stabbed in the back? That's right. Yeah. Because I'm the new favorite. He ain't got a coach yet. If he gets a coat, yeah. he's in trouble. <laughs> no, Joseph no. got the coat. That's when things started going downhill. That's right. That's good. So that's, this is what leads us to this test. I think Joseph has been testing all along. And the final one is to see what are you going to do with Benjamin? So let's take off reading Genesis 44. Then Joseph commanded his steward, fill the men, men's bags with as much food as they can carry. And put each one's money at the top of the bag. Put my cup, the silver one, at the top of the youngest one's bag, along with his grain money. So he did as Joseph told him. So remember, they brought Benjamin. He hasn't revealed himself yet. And so now he's going to send all the brothers back, Benjamin included. But he's going to put some more money in their sack. And now he's got this, this silver one that he wants to put in Benjamin's bag. All right? 
Verse 3, at morning light, the men were sent off with their donkeys, and they had not gone very far from the city when Joseph said to his steward, get up, pursue the men, and when you overtake them, say to them, why have you repaid evil for good? And the good there is when they came, remember, Joseph had this big spread, and he fed them, and get this big banquet, and so he treated them nicely, gave them the grain, and so this guy's going to ask, why are you stealing, right? Verse 5, isn't this cup, the silver one that he had put in Benjamin's bag, that my master drinks from and uses for divination, what you have done is wrong. So when he overtook them, he said to these words to them, and they said to them, why does the Lord say these things? Your servant could not possibly do such a thing. We even brought back to you from the land of Canaan the money we found at the top of our bags the last time. How could we steal gold and silver from your master's house if any of us is found to have, have it? He must die. And we will also become my Lord's slave. So the guys are absolutely convinced they're innocent. Nobody would have stolen. Nobody would have taken money. And nobody for sure would have taken the silver cup. And they're so confident that they say, whoever did it has got to die. And the rest of you are going to be slaves. And so verse 10, the steward replied, what you have said is right, but only the one who is found to have it will be my slave and the rest of you will be blameless. So verse 10 is where the test is. So what's going to happen is they're going to unfold the sacks and they're going to see that the silver cup is in there. And now the brothers have a dilemma because they don't have to go back to Egypt. They can let Benjamin suffer and then they're scot-free, blameless. Now, the last time they would have been called spies if they didn't bring them back. This time they get to go back home and they are scot-free on this deal. What do you think? Uh, yeah, I, it's interesting to me because I look at it and my first thought is like, yeah, he's testing them. But in a way, Joseph is almost like, regardless of what they do, I'm going to get to keep my brother. It's, I'm going to be back with my brother that I really had that relationship with Rachel. Um, but what I love about this is that we see this change in the brothers that somewhere along the way that this sin from 20 years ago has not left them. It, it is sitting on top of their hearts, on top of their minds. And, and it's very interesting because that happens to a lot of us. You think about people that you've wronged. And I, I know there's certain times in my life where the, I let relationships linger just with that, that pain and that hurt for so long. And that's what we see here is that even though I did that and I'd act like I was fine, it was still inside of there. And so Joseph's giving them that test. And in this time, it was almost like they knew that they could just leave him there, but that was not what they were going to do. They were going to stay for the brother. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's, it's fair, too, to remind ourselves who these brothers are. Yeah. So they're only one lie away from being out of this again. All they have to do, go back home. Benjamin was killed by a wild animal. They've done this before, right? Mm. These are the same brothers that went into Shechem and killed all of the men, right? And then killed or plundered the whole city, took the women and the children. Like they have a history of being, we've called them this in the past, cold-blooded. And so the test now is one more little lie. And you're safe. You're right back into it. Um, the drama, to me, really builds in these next couple of verses yeah. where he starts going through these sacks. Yeah. 
Let's read so I, it. Yeah, go ahead. So each one quickly lowered his sack to the ground and opened it. And they were confident, right? They didn't think it was in there. The steward searched beginning with the oldest and ending with the youngest. And the cup was found in Benjamin's sack. There's that drama you're talking about, right? Yeah. They just start at the top and go down and they just think they're good. And then all of a sudden they find it in Benjamin's sack. And then they tore their clothes and each one loaded his donkey and returned to the city. Verse 13 is big. This gives us a clue that there's repentance because they didn't have to go back to Egypt. But they loaded their donkey and they went back with him. Right? They could have just sat back and said, oh, sorry, Benjamin. Yeah, See you, dude. Actually showing some remorse, maybe for the first time ever. Yeah. Right? They're showing a little bit of remorse, that uh, a little bit of unity. We're in this with you. If Benjamin's got to go back, we're going back, um, which, you know, is a, is a sign of repentance that there's real, it's not just an emotional response. There's real remorse here. Even there the idea of tearing their clothes. Old Old Testament way of outwardly repenting of something that right then and there, it's like when they saw that, they just didn't think about it. It was like something had happened in these guys' heart to where they were tearing their clothes and they were not going home without their brother. Yeah, they didn't do that last time. They no. ate a meal the last time yeah. Joseph was in a pit. They had no care whatsoever to go to dad and say, hey, he's dead. Here, they clearly don't want to go home. There is something that's changing inside of them. They feel it. So verse 14, when Judah and his brothers reached Joseph's house, he was still there and they fell to the ground before him. What is this you have done? Joseph said to them, didn't you know that a man like me could uncover the truth by divination? What can we say to my Lord? Judah replied, how can we plead? How can we justify ourselves? God has exposed your servants iniquity. We are now my Lord's slaves, both we and the one whose possession the cup was found. Now this is really good. Because they don't know if Benjamin took it or not. But if he did, and this is what happened, Judah's like, we're all going to suffer for this. We're not, we're not laying him on the line. Right? They're, they're willing even, I mean, because they don't know if Benjamin didn't take it. Right? Crazy. So Joseph says, I swear that I will not do this. The man who, in whose possession the cup was found will be my slave. The rest of you can go in peace to your father. He is giving them a chance to go scot-free. There it is. Yeah, I also think, verse 16, there, there's this recognition that they've sinned against God. Yeah. Right, that, that's a key part of repentance. It's not just that I, because I, I don't know about you, I, I can be very hospitable with my own sin. Right, like I was tired, or I've been really busy, or and these guys say, no, no, God is punishing punishing us for what we did. In verse sixteen, there's this recognition that God not not only takes sin very seriously, but that He punishes it. And so there's all these yeah. all these Old Testament examples of God taking sin very very seriously. And these guys, this is one of them. These guys are saying, no, no, God's punishing us for what we've done. And I mean, right here, it's like, it goes straight back to, I think, all the connection right here with Joseph, even though they don't realize it's Joseph, but the sin that they're just like thinking that God is exposing, they're getting punished for, is what they did to their brother. Yeah. It's, even though he has no, they have no idea this is the brother they did it to, but right there, they're breaking down, and God has this way of working things, and they had this sin that just never left their heart that it bothered them day in, day out. And that, that's the interesting question that I think when I, I think about them is like how throughout their lives, how often was that sin present every single day? 
And they held on to that. And it was on their mind because they knew they were wrong. Yeah, that's good. When you, when you think about, um, for me, when I think about repentance, I, I'll, I'll define it like this. When you're given a chance to do the same thing, you decide not to. You choose not to. You're given an opportunity to act in the same way, and you choose not to. And so clearly that is the test that Joseph is doing. He's going to give them an opportunity to treat Benjamin the exact same way they treated him 20-plus years ago. And he's going to see if they've changed, then they won't do it. If they haven't, then they will. Yeah, because 20 years ago, these are the same brothers saying, here comes the dreamer. Yeah. <laughs> like they're mocking him. They're, they're making fun of him. Come on, let's kill him. Let's throw him into this pit. We can tell our father a wild animal has eaten him. Judah said, uh, we have to cover up the crime. Let's don't hurt them. Let's sell them. And so 20 years ago, they've proven their character. Yeah. And now 20 years later, they have a chance to prove it in the opposite way. And they're actually passing this test of repentance that, that Joseph's given them. Yeah. When you, when we read this next little piece here, as we, we finish up 44, we, we get Judah again. And Judah is, you know, when you, when you think back to Genesis 38, which wasn't part of our sermon series, um, Judah is a, is a man of sexual immorality. Um, we know he's a murderer. We know he is, is, uh, way back over here in, um, in, in chapters 37, you, you've got, he's the one that says, let's sell him. You know, so we've got all kinds of issues with jo Judah. And so um, now all of a sudden from him to go from this sexually immoral, murderous, let's sell our brother for silver. And now he's going to be the one with this beautiful monologue to Joseph on Benjamin's behalf. So he says this, starting in verse 18, but Judah approached him and said, sir, please let your servant speak personally to my Lord. Do not be angry with your servant for you are like Pharaoh. My Lord, ask his servants, do you have a father or a brother? And we answered my Lord, we have an elderly father and a younger brother and the child of his old age. The boy's brother is dead he is only one of his mother's sons left, and his father loves him. So he's telling him the truth. This is what we told you. Verse 21, then you said to your servants, bring him to me so that I can see him. But we said to my Lord, the boy cannot leave his father. If he were to leave his father, he would die. And when you said to your servants, if your younger brother does not come down with you, you will not see me again. And this is what happened when we went back to your servant, my father. We reported your words to him. But our father said, go again and buy us some food. And we told him we cannot go down unless our younger brother, Benjamin, goes with us. So if our younger brother isn't with us, we cannot see the man. And your servant, my father, said to us, you knew that my wife bore me two sons. One left. I said that, I must, that he must have been torn to pieces. And I have never seen him again. And if you also take this one from me, anything happens to him, you will bring my gray hairs down to Sheol in sorrow. He's just retelling the story. He's not leaving anything out. He's saying, this is exactly how it went down. We've been telling you the truth. And when we got home, we tell the, told the truth. And there, there's no bitterness about Benjamin being the favorite. There's no bitterness about, hey, they were born to, you know, our father's, you know, the love of his life, he's just saying it like it is, right? You can see a, a little bit of repentance in his voice, right? Yeah, I definitely agree. I think this is one of those times where Judah 
maybe for the first time in his life, realizes there is nothing he can do. He is just almost like we like to use that expression, naked before God, but there is nothing else he can do. He's done everything he's been asked on both sides by his father, um, by Joseph, and he's trying to do what's right, and it just seems like everything is failing. And he's just pleading from the heart here. This is just a human piece of him saying, I have given you everything. And, and it's just this great piece of repentance of what it looks like um, when we realize that that's truly how we are before God. Yeah, there's this posture for, for Judah of humility, like in verse 14, verse 18, please can I just say one word? Like that's what repentance looks like, right? It's this humble, I'm not going saying, I'm sorry, but yeah. it's this real, kind of like what Trey was saying, this real, um, this realness before God. One of the things I was going to talk about in the sermon was Pete Rose. So we talk about lame apologies, right? And Pete Rose, who gambled on baseball and, and uh, has been banned from baseball, and, and most of us would say, okay, you could probably at this point bring him back, whatever. But he, I don't know that he's ever gotten here, mm-hmm. right? Like he said, sorry, 100 times, but you can go right now online and buy a baseball where Pete Rose signs it, I'm sorry I bet on baseball, and it'll cost you $300. So he's making money off of his apology, and that's typically what we see in our world, in our culture, is I'm sorry, but no real humility, no real repentance. Yeah. And it seems that's what we're getting here with Judah. So the repentance happens, verse 30. So we get his posture, we, we get his heart. He clearly is trying to tell Joseph, this is the truth. We've been telling you the truth. So then he says, so if I come to your servant, my father, and the boy is not with us, his life, talking about Jacob, is wrapped up in the boy's life. And when he sees that the boy is not with us, he will die. Again, no bitterness to that. This, this is the, the, these are the facts. Then your servant will have brought the gray hairs of your servant of our father down into Sheol and sorrow. And your servant became accountable to my father for the boy saying, if I do not return him to you, I will always bear the guilt for sinning against you, my father. So Judah says, this is what I did. I put my life on the line for Benjamin, promising dad that I'm bringing Benjamin home. He will not be left in Egypt. Verse 33, now please let your servant remain here as my Lord's slave. Let me stay in place of the boy. There it is, substitution. I'll take his place. I'll be the one to stay here. Send Benjamin home. There's the repentance. He's willing to say, I'm not gonna do this mistake again and I'll pay the price for Benjamin, that sounds pretty familiar, right? That's what Jesus Christ did for us. He is the substitute. He paid the price. And then he says, let him go back with his brothers. For how can I go back to my father without the boy? I could not bear to see the grief that would overwhelm my father. They didn't care about that grief last time. 20 years ago with Joseph, here's this bloody coat. Wild animal tore him to shreds. They didn't care about the grief then, but they care about the grief now, or specifically Judah cares about it. That's repentance. That is change. Yeah, no, I, I, you just said it. <clears throat> I was going to say, how did we know if they passed the test? Mm-hmm. Like, What grade are we going to give them on the test? And we've gone through some things. But now with Judah's speech, there really is old Judah and now new Judah. Yeah. There's this real fruit. There's this real evidence of change. And so practically speaking for us, somebody's wronged us. We want to forgive them. How do we know they've truly repented? It, it may take months. Yeah. It, it may take years of, of seeing 
Have they really changed? Is there some real, real fruit there? And then for us, vertically with God, same way. Am, am I changing? Is there some fruit? When I get that chance to commit that same sin again, and I turn it down, yeah, there's some sign of repentance there. I think so often we confuse repentance with feeling sorry. Um, if, if you understand what I'm saying, because a lot of times we use that word, I'm sorry, I won't do that again. But the reality is we're not sorry for the sin against that person. We're not sorry for the sin against God. What we're sorry about is how we feel. You see what I'm saying? And so for the first time, I think here, Judah, early on, um, it was their brother, and they just felt guilt, but they were upset because of how it made them feel. And even in our relationships now, uh, I've seen a lot of relationships where people have problems because the, they keep on saying, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I won't do it again, but they aren't really sorry. They aren't really sorry because they don't feel remorse other than how it makes them feel. Um, great example in story in high school, I, I use this I wasn't going to say it, but like I got caught cold-blooded doing something stupid, and I said I'm sorry, and I felt so bad. And at the end of the day, I thought it was because I cared about that person, but it wasn't. It was because I felt so bad because how I felt. Mm. And even though I was apologizing, that wasn't forgiveness. That wasn't repentance because it was just me trying to, like you said with Pete Rose, trying to make myself feel better. Yeah. But here we see for the first time you got Judah, and he's just like, I am not doing that again. No matter what, I will give you my life, but I am not going down that route. Yeah, And that's a beautiful thing when we see that. So let's just talk about the complicating factors here because this is what makes the passage tricky is um, we know we got to forgive people. And we have all probably been in – involved with somebody in a relationship with somebody in our life, friend, family, coworker, whatever, who finds themselves in the throes of sin. And um, they, they find themselves constantly doing the same thing over and over again. Vody Bauckham, who's, uh, who wrote a book on Joseph, he talks about his dad being a drug addict. And he talks about how his dad would, would have periods of being clean and sober. And when he was clean and sober, he was the gr best granddad to Vody's children. The problem is, is that when his dad would fall off the wagon, he, he was scared to have his children around. And so there was this point where, how do I offer forgiveness to my dad and reconciliation? Like, I want him to be a part of my, my kids' lives, but there's not really been true repentance. There's been repentance for six months. There might be repentance for several weeks, but not this repentance where he is completely walked away from the drug addiction that he had. He was able to completely repent. And I think there are those times we feel that, right? And so there are times where, uh, you know, we, we've been lied to or we've been whatever. Somebody's sinned against us, and as a result, we want to forgive them. And maybe we get to an internal forgiveness, but then how do I walk with this person? And there's a point where in order for that trust to be fully restored, there's a repentance, and that repentance takes time. Trust needs to be rebuilt so that the relationship can be reconciled. And I think about that in terms of marriages. I think that in terms of children, when trust is eroded because of sin, um, 
it takes time to build that trust again so that, and you have to do it by repentance, by showing you've changed, showing there's a heart change, showing that God's doing something in your life. And over that period of time, trust is rebuilt so that reconciliation and a restored relationship can happen. Does that make sense? Oh, yeah. Yeah, it makes sense. And, and sometimes I think it's, it's those boundaries. Like in that scenario, he can't have his kids in danger. That's not what forgiveness looks like. Yeah. Right. Like my dad's falling off the wagon again. And so if I'm really going to forgive them, I've got to have my kids over there every weekend. No, no, no. you got to protect your kids. And so there's some boundaries you put in place. And as time goes by, maybe you can take some of those boundaries away. Yeah. But but real forgiveness is not just opening the door wide back open again. Yeah. Um, in fact, in a lot of ways, you may be enabling that person or hurting that person. And so all these situations are complicated. Yeah, that's the reason I think forgiveness and reconciliation really need to be two different things. And so when we talk about forgiveness, there's this, there's this inward deal, which yeah. John talked about when he preached on this, this idea that I am letting bitterness go. And that's what Joseph does when he names his children Ephraim and Manasseh. I'm letting the bitterness go to what happened in Egypt. I'm letting the bitterness go what my brothers did to me. I'm not holding this against them. I, like there is a forgiveness there. Now, the test is to see if the relationship can be restored. Um, and so that's one way to look at it. And I think a lot of times we like to look at it this way. So now we need to put ourselves in the position of Judah. Mm -hmm. And for now, we need to look at it and say, are there things in our lives that we need to repent from, that yeah. we need to turn from, that we need to change? Because this was really going to be two different messages. There's going to be a repentance sermon and there was going to be a forgiveness sermon. And we're just kind of convoluting it here, trying to catch up and, and try to do all of this really quickly to get us all in the, you know, to finish up the story. But the reality is that, that there's repentance that needs to happen. And my guess is that even during this time where we have social distancing and quarantine and not being able to go to school and kind of sheltering, if you will, like there are probably some things that we're looking at and say, man, that needs to change even when we're able to go back to no normal. Like I need to repent from that. I need to, I need to change something. And so sometimes we need, I think this passage makes us look and see what do we need to repent from? What do we need to change? Thoughts? Yeah, exactly. Whenever I was preparing this passage, that's what was really hitting me is that I had, before I could even stand up and talk to anybody, I was like, what are the things in my life that I still struggle with? What are, what are the um, sins that I have done to other people that I have wronged that to this day bothers me? And there were some phone calls I had to make. And I'm not going to lie, I had to make some phone calls to some people and say, I'm sorry. I had to do some reconciliation because before I could stand up and call people to say, hey, you need to repent of your sin that, uh, before God, um, I needed to repent of some things with other people so I could have my relationship with God clear where I wasn't carrying that baggage around because, you know, it's just like him. We see 20 years, this is still on his heart. So it means that this was something he knew he was wrong about. And you think about our lives, how often do we do that as believers? We will wrong somebody, but in our self-righteousness, we don't want to admit it. Hmm. So we just go on and we justify it and say, well, it was them. But the truth is, we need to repent sometimes. Hmm. Two people, but then even more, um, during this season, one of the things I am finding is that while we're stuck at home in the quarantine, I'm doing a lot of self-evaluation. And there's a lot of things that I need to repent before God. 
that I'm finding that I need to get before him and make right so reconciliation can happen. That's good. Well, let's take a look at 45 real quickly and see how Joseph responds. One of the more uh, just beautiful emotional passages in all of Scripture. Verse 1, Joseph could no longer keep his composure in front of all his attendants, so he called out, send everyone away from me. No one was with him when he revealed his identity to his brothers, but he wept so loudly that the Egyptians heard it and also Pharaoh's household heard it. And Joseph said to his brothers, I am Joseph. Is my father still living? But they could not answer him because they were terrified in his presence. They were speechless, right? They don't even know what's happening. This thing has gone from a roller coaster of emotions. They think they're going home with Benjamin. We got the grain. Dad's going to be happy to, oh, no, Benjamin's caught with a cup, to Judah's putting his life on the line, to now all of a sudden, what? He's Joseph. And then Joseph said to his brothers, please come near me. And as they came near I am Joseph, your brother, he said, the one who you sold into Egypt. And now don't be worried or angry with yourself for selling me here because God sent me ahead of you to preserve life for the famine has been in the land for two years and there will be five more years without plowing or harvest. God sent me ahead of you to establish you as a remnant within the land and to keep you alive by a great deliverance. Therefore, it was not you who sent me here, but God, he has made me a father to Pharaoh, Lord of his entire household and a ruler over all the land of Egypt. And then he tells them, hey, go home, go get dad. I want to see him, bring him here. Um, Next week, we're going to talk about this whole idea of sovereignty and providence. But right now, I just want to focus on this piece of Joseph revealing himself, forgiveness, offering reconciliation. Yeah. And I was going to say, the the only reason this story is good is because of what he's done with the test. Yeah. Like you, you can't enjoy the story. You can't celebrate the story if you don't know the brothers have changed. Yeah. Because if he does this the first time they came, in the back of his mind, he's wondering, they might go kill my dad hmm. to keep the secret safe. Yeah. They might kill Benjamin to keep the secret. But now that we know they've changed, you can relax. You can kind of let your guard down a little bit and actually enjoy the story. Well, what's going to happen when he meets Jacob? What's going to happen? And you're not worried about what are the brothers going to do? Yeah. Yeah, I find it interesting too because I read this and I and one of the things I thought about was like, was this uh, was this meant to be the last test, or was this the part that he wanted them to get to? You know what I mean? So what if they didn't repent right there, which they did, which is a beautiful thing, but it was that moment where he saw the true repentance, and they got down there, and that uh, he was able to forgive them. And we, we read that it was such a powerful moment of him wanting to be able to say that. It was like for years and years, he, he had dealt with that anger enough to the point that he was overcome with love for his brothers that he could not keep his composure. Think about that. He could not keep his composure of being able to reveal himself to the people that tried to kill him. Yeah. And that's a beautiful thing right there of what forgiveness really looks like and how it worked in his heart, first of all. And then true reconciliation happened when that repentance piece came into play. Yeah. So people are salute. Like, you got your go-to sayings, right? Mm, that's good. That's one of mm-hmm. yours all the time. Matter okay. of fact, that's one of yours. Matter of fact, matter of yeah. fact. Beautiful thing is Trey's. Beautiful thing. It's a beautiful beautiful thing. I got some more. Thank you, Maloney, for that wisdom and insight. 
Yeah. It's what you do. Beautiful thing. Mm, that's good. Um, couple of things. I, I, I've been reading John Lennox here, the story of Joseph. When I was reading this, I thought there was something uh, really, really good about um, just several things he had to say. One of them, Martin Luther said, there are two kinds of sin. One is confessed, and this one no one should leave unforgiven. The other kind is defended, and this one no one can forgive, for it refuses either to be counted as sin or to accept forgiveness. I thought that was pretty strong. And then um, they talk about, uh, he, he gives several examples of extreme forgiveness. You know, uh, uh, the, the Amish community that suffered that tragic school shooting, um, the London um, uh, bombing that went on in, in the tunnels there. And then they talk about um, Nazis and the, the, the terrible things that happened to Jews in the concentration camps. Um, Corey Tinboom was somebody that had to deal with this. And this is what she says as she talks about facing a former prison guard. I thought I'd read this and we could end uh, on this. She said, uh, she looked and sees this former prison guard. She goes, and that's when I saw him working his way forward against the others. One moment I saw the overcoat and the brown hat. The next, the blue uniform and the visored cap with its skull and crossbones. It came back with a rush. The place was Ravensbrook, a consecration camp and the man who was making his way forward had been a guard one of the most cruel guards now he was in front of me hand thrust out a fine message Fräulein. how good it is to know that as i say all your sins are at the bottom of the sea or as you say all our sins are at the bottom of the sea she'd just been talking about that and i who had spoken so glibly of forgiveness fumbled in my pocketbook rather than take the hand she extended his hand to shake it. He would not remember me, of course. How could he remember one prisoner among thousands of women? But I remembered him. I was face to face with one of my captors, and my blood seemed to freeze. You mentioned Ravensbrook in your talk, he was saying. I was a guard in there. No, he did not remember me. But since that time, he went on, I have become a Christian. I know that God has forgiven me for the cruel things I did there. And I would like to hear it from your lips as well, Fraulein. Again, the hand came out. Will you forgive me? Can you imagine that? He's sitting there saying, I have changed. I have been forgiven. And I stood there. I whose sins had again and again been forgiven and who could not forgive. Betsy, her sister, had died in that place could he erase her slow, terrible death simply for asking? It could not have been many seconds that he stood there, hand held out, but to me it seemed like hours as I wrestled with the most difficult thing I ever had to do, for I had to do it. I knew that. The message that God forgives has a prior condition, that we forgive those who have injured us. If you do not forgive men their trespasses, Jesus says, neither will your Father in heaven forgive your trespasses. I knew it only as a commandment of God, but as a daily experience. Since the end of the war, I had, I had a home in Holland for victims of Nazi brutality. Those who were able to forgive their former enemies were able to return to the outside world and rebuild their lives, no matter what the physical scars. Those who nursed their bitterness remained invalids. It was simple and as horrible as that. And as I stood there with the coldness clutching my heart, but forgiveness is not an emotion. I knew that too. Forgiveness is an act of the will, and the will can function regardless of the temperature of the heart. Jesus, help me, I prayed silently. I can lift my hand. I can do that much. You supply the feeling. 
And so woodenly, mechanically, I thrust my hand into the one stretched out to me, and as I did, an incredible thing took place. The current started in my shoulder, raced down my arm, sprang into our joined hands, and then this healing warmth seemed to flood my whole being, bringing tears to my eyes. I forgive you, brother, I cried with all my heart. And for a long moment, we grasped each other's hands, the former guard and the former prisoner. I had never known God's love so intensely as I did then. Strong. Man, I, none of us will ever be wrong like that, probably. And uh, for her to be able to do that, I thought that was a strong word. Yeah, that's just moving right there. I just, As you're reading that, I just fighting emotions of just uh, how powerful that is. Yeah. Um, for us, though, the truth is that we don't have maybe at that level, but for a lot of us out there, we're, we're holding something back. Yeah. Um, and we cannot truly feel the goodness or, or the forgiveness of God until we're willing um, to let some things go. Yeah. And... I, I, I experienced this early in my life because I had some issues with a loved one that really caused a lot of damage in my life. And for about um, eight years, that controlled every relationship I was in until I got to this part um, where I had to just deal with it. And I had to come to terms of saying, I forgive you. I'm letting it go. And this no longer has power over my life. And it doesn't mean that even if they haven't shown full repentance because still to this day they haven't. But it doesn't have control over me. Yeah. And, and so just hearing that moves me because it's just forgiveness is a huge piece that we need to have as believers. Yeah. Um, and it really helps us understand who God is and his grace for other people. So we grasp that. Ryan, final word, man. How would you, how would you wrap all this up? Yeah, I was just thinking uh, no matter how how bad or how much we've been wronged, it's not on the scale of what we've done to God. And that's really hard for me to grasp. Right? I said it earlier, I'm pretty hospitable with my sin. No matter what somebody does to me, no matter what somebody does to my family, it's on a very small scale compared to what I've done to a holy, perfect, other God. And that's, that's hard to grasp. Um, yeah. And then the only other thought I had was, as we wrapped up, really practical, with people having some time on their hands, maybe you sharing some of the books that we read through Joseph for them to go pick up, finish uh, the Swindoll book. Yeah. I really enjoyed. Uh, it's just I think the title is just Joseph, and then yeah. the couple you've got there. Yeah, Joseph by Chuck Swindoll. He's uh, he's got uh, several. Um, books on different characters, and that was one we read. Uh, John Lennox, Joseph here is a great book, and then Vody Bauckham was another one several of us read. Uh, Joseph, the Gospel of Many Colors. So those of you that are wanting a little bit more on that, you can do it. Uh, we'll, we'll somehow finish the story. We got five chapters to talk about next week with Ross and Derek as we try to wrap this entire series up. So, fellas, thanks for joining us. I hope it's been uh, beneficial just to see Joseph wrapped up. And uh, so, again, be looking for the message Thursday from John. Exciting things coming up for Easter. And uh, next week we'll wrap up Joseph completely and move on to our, our next series. So thank you guys, and we will see you next Tuesday. <laughs>